Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to the newest edition of Three In, Three Out. I'm your host, Clinton Bonner. I am joined by the one, the only, the great Brandon Schultz. But Brandon, we are bringing this in a different different kind of way today. We are we are live at 5. It's 2 p.m. on the east side, 11 p.m. on the west side, but we're doing this through a brand new vehicle. Brandon, tell the good people of Earth and the multiverse, what? how are we going to talk Seahawks today? What's different? Clinton, the very first, the inaugural episode of Live 3 In, 3 Out, and uh, I'm glad to be doing it. And uh, yeah, we're, we're trying out the locker room app, so if people are hearing this after it comes out, if they're getting it through the field goals feed, we are finding times to do this live through the locker room app. People can join in and you and I can we can have our chat. And this allows us to bring in others and, uh, you know, bring the from the flock segment live and, and bring them on the show. Yeah, that has been a a, a dream and a because uh, the because uh, for those who do not know three in three out, it's it's been a reaction show that's been featured on uh, Field Goals podcast pretty much on Mondays and Tuesdays after the Hawks typically win, and we look we like to look and dissect the micro moments and the nooks and crannies as we talk about. And we have an awesome featured section that we love that's called from the flock, but that's usually us gathering things from. Twitter and Discord and the Facebook Ring of Honor and all other walks of uh, communique, but never before has it been live like this. So I'm excited. We'll see what kind of audience we can get day one, but then we will grow this for the coming weeks because I believe this is, uh, I believe we have a, a bit of a commitment to honor now to get this going for basically throughout the offseason. We are going to try this on a 20-week run. So this is not a one or two-off thing. We we are in it for the long haul of the offseason. And, uh, you know, what a great way to start off this offseason with talk about our Seahawks quarterback. Yeah, so we're going to—it's going to be all Stan Gelba— all the time, baby. That's how we do it live on three and three out. We're not going to talk Rick Meyer. We're not even going to talk Dan McGuire. Oh, what about and, Kelly Stoffer? Well, we might talk a little Kelly Stoffer, but but today, Brandon, I know this is going to be like, you know, whoa, curveball. Today, I was thinking, given the news, maybe we'll talk some Russell Carrington Wilson. What do you say about that? You know, I'm I'm a little bit hesitant to get into it because after this week, I know it, it's just been such a difficult week. And my wife hasn't demanded that I find a new team to root for because of this week. But if she did, I told her that I would be open to rooting for the Vikings or the Chiefs, maybe the Browns or whichever team Deshaun Watson goes to. Right. Maybe the Saints, possibly the Jets. And for some reason, the Bears. I don't I don't know why that one's even in the mix, but we'll I think we'll get to all that today on this very special edition of three in three out. And before we do that too, Brandon, how do people so it is the locker room app, but like how would they actually find us? What what's the what do they got to go to URL wise or on their phone, et cetera? You will want to download the locker room app, lockerroom.app, and then you can find me Seahawkra on there. And that way you can get notified whenever we go live. And yes, and that's for people that are that missed it and want to tune in again later. And that's just the best way to do it. I like it. And, is, and also, is Seahawkra, is that from the Masters of the Universe He-Man series? Did I, did I miss that? Was that, I, was that a character? I, I don't know. I just, I like the, the ring to it. It's, uh, wh what is that? Uh, I know there is a something raw, She-Ra. Yeah, the She-Ra. Yeah, the She-Ra. Sure. There's Mum, there's Mum-Ra, She-Ra. Yeah, and Seahawkra. That's right. uh, I. I am part of the Masters of the Universe. 
I like that. And maybe in that universe, Ra Ra Salah is like the Skeletor, right? So in that in that <laughs> in that universe, his big bald dome is screaming on the sidelines, and they show and they show him like thirty one times a game, just because they uh, that's what the producers want to do. So so I, I get it now. We have Shihakra, Sihakra, Ra Ra Salah, and we did say we're in the multiverse. So I think we're off to a smashing live start. This is this is this is it. Yeah, we've already got one suggestion from the locker room app is that Russ plays for the Washington football team in 2021. Wow. The, 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 <laughs> See, the like people it. that are joining this who aren't Seahawks fans are going to be really disappointed for when we just tell them that Russell Wilson's going to be playing in Seattle next year. Yeah, we did use. So the whole thing with this app when you go live is you, you're meant to put out a title to entice people to join it live. And Brandon, I believe you use the title. Russell Wilson will in 2021 will play for dot, dot, dot. And we put that out there as the most clickbaity title we could put. So the locker room app people would, you know, salivate, click the button and come to the room. And like you said, the, uh, the big, the big huzzah or the big, uh, pull the carpet out from you is he's going to play for the Seattle Seahawks folks. Russell Wilson will be the quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. So why don't we jump off there? Why don't we just go through some of the logical reasons that he's still going to be our quarterback in 2021? I, I know you have some reasons. You've got some reasons locked and loaded. I, I know I have mine, but I, I, I got to hear what you have to say first. Yeah, I mean, I've got I've got a few and then I've got other things I definitely want to talk about on this topic as well. But I think first and foremost is it's a really bad cap move. I mean, like really, really crippling. Besides the fact that you're giving away trading a Hall of Fame quarterback, that's got to be 1A, 1B and 1C. But also like it just doesn't jive. The, we can't do it this year, even even if both sides wanted to. It would not be a year to do it. I, you probably had the numbers. It would be, I believe, a $13 million cap hit each year. I, I don't think you can spread it out, though. And I am not like salary cap, you know, guru type guy. I just know that there's about $39 million in dead money if the Seahawks decide to move on from Russ. So right there, that's, you know, reason number one is that financially, I think we do have to say, though, I didn't think Jared Goff would be traded because his crazy contract, Carson Wentz, you know, that wouldn't be worthwhile either. So in the universe, like it is possible for the Seahawks to take a crazy cap hit if the right situation came along and they just wanted to blow it up and start all over and take that crazy cap hit for one year and not be competitive. And uh, you could do it. But I think that that means the compensation would have to be that much higher. Yeah. And I think for me, the big, and this has been talked about, uh, you know, quite a bit this week, but the other factor too, is the terminology of, yeah, if you, if you ditch for whatever reason, your hall of fame quarterback, um, then you basically are starting over and how old's our head coach? I think he's like 70, but yeah. Yeah, he's like he's like yeah. I mean, he's he is like seventy. Yes, we know he's got the the heart of a lion, right? Or the heart of lion-o if, if we're he staying acts in the like he's younger than me, but he in in actual human years he's uh, yeah he's in his seventies. He is the Benjamin Button of, of the of the coaching world for sure, but he's still seven years old. He's got a couple of years left of coaching. So it doesn't yeah, feel I, like start over time. I just doesn't feel like blow it up time when you've got, you know, your nine year to 10 year veteran uh, who has been a phenomenal quarterback who's who's a Hall of Famer. So for me, I think it's just a I I have found the whole hoopla now, not to say it's not believable, not to say there's not strife, not to say when you see the athletic article come out, which you guys talked about on the Seahawkers pod, that's a really in the in the trenches beat writer. Uh, you know, uh, Sean Michael Duger doing his job and, and Michael Sean, yeah, 
Michael, Sean, Sean, Michael. Like if I, if there's a tag team, you know, if there's a WWE, WWF tag team, Sean, Michael, Michael, Sean would be raising those belts right there for they sure. They take out the Hart brothers it, like yeah, in, the, the, in a historical the, match. Yeah. Right. The, the Duggars versus the Hart brothers and they would, they would take them out. So MS and SM. And I think, you know, I think Shane, the main brain Waldron would be the manager in the corner with the Mr. Fuji dust to get Absolutely. in the eyes of the, of the Hart. Yeah. Why, why not bring it, bring it full circle. So it's just, it's just illogical. It's just, it's, it's foolish. However, you know, I get it. There's, there's merit there to talk about it. And the strife is kind of interesting to talk about the, the idiosyncrasies, the things about the Arizona game. Cool. It's all interesting to talk about at the end of the day for the cliche that there is once it rolls around to draft season and we start hopefully adding pieces that makes Russ happy, if you will, where, where's he going? Does he want to go to a a, a, a perennial loser? I, I just, it, it doesn't add up to me. There's what, four teams who won more games than the Seahawks this year? Maybe three. So if you're looking for a team, and, and yes, I know if you're Russell Wilson, you're saying, well, I can make any team a, a 10, 11 win team. You know, just, uh, just give me a couple dudes to throw to and, and I'll be good. But I, I just, I don't know, winning 12 games doesn't, just doesn't seem like the time to move on from a team. No, not to me either. And one of the, so I've listened to a lot of different Seahawks podcasts this week. You know, your, your field goals podcast included, your Seahawkers pod, emergency podcast included, uh, others like Real Hawk Talk, Seahawks Nest just had one. And obviously everybody's centered for the most part in the, in the Russell Wilson talk. One thing that I, the, the biggest thing that makes me kind of mad as a Seahawks fan is for me, uh, you know, I, I like giving you the guessing game. What, what do you think? What do you think perturbs me the most here? Of all the stuff, what do you think is really kind of grinding my gears? Of all the stuff that can grind your gears, I, hmm. I, I'll say the one thing that that bothers me the most is the notion that Russ threw his offensive line under the bus because I I just I don't see that other than him reacting saying that yes I've been sacked four hundred plus times but you know I guess if you're throwing the entire sets of offensive lines from ever since he joined the team, uh, then then maybe that fits in. But in that uh, interview with Dan Patrick, he said, hey, Dwayne Brown's awesome. So uh, and if your name's not Dwayne Brown, I think you have some room to improve. So if you take that as a slight from Russ, then, you know, that's on you. Yeah. And two of the five people that he may have been sliding probably won't be. Well, we know one for sure. One retired you know, already. Yeah. Yeah. He's already retired. Uh, so, so, and our center will most likely be, be replaced. So that's a good one. I, I, a good one in the sense that, yeah, that was, that's a, a, a piece of the tail that's been, I think, vastly overblown. It's actually, I'm going to flip it the other way and say something that actually bugs me about this. So not, okay. not something that's been overblown. So another question for you. How many days or weeks away are we from free agency opening for the NFL? Oh, yeah. We're, what, uh, three weeks? Two weeks? Something like that, right? Two, we're getting there. Two, under three weeks away. So if you're a center who's about to hit free agency, if you're a current Seahawk who's about to hit free agency and you're thinking of staying um, or, you know, just going to test the market, usually this, this organization has been like, very solid and, and extremely attractive from a just a pure free agency standpoint, like well-run organization. You got the the coach who is a player's coach who just seems to, you know, vibe and, and get it from that area. You know, the opposite of like a Belichickian type coach. This year, we're going into this with like a really big negative hanging cloud hanging over our free agency in a year where we have to make a couple of key moves in order to actually 
do the things Russ wants us to do. Russ is like, hey, I want better O-line. Hey, I want some more playmakers. Hey, Russ, you know, you know what's uh, you know what's cool? Like acting as a magnet and a gravitational pull in the offseason to make those things happen. Right now, it's like the exact opposite. And that is the to me, as a Seahawks fan, it take everything else away. This hurts our team. Mm. This hurts our ability to bring in the free agents, which hurts our ability to keep Russ happy, which hurts our ability to have a cohesive unit, which hurts our ability to go win the freaking Lombardi. So I feel like there's a that lots of people are talking, usually three in, three outs about the micro, like dissecting the micro. This one, I was like, let me go three, four abstraction layers above and say, this hurts our team. This hurts our chances in starting in three weeks. And I am not happy about that. Well, I, I can see how you, you might project that. I, I don't think we're going to be able to say whether or not it actually does hurt the team until after that initial wave of free agency, because if Russ comes out and, and he says what he does, that he needs better protection, and it's like sending up the bat signal of, hey, offensive lineman, come protect me in Seattle, and, and then, you know, dudes actually show up, then we'll say, hey, this, this was actually uh, a successful move by Russ then to to get people to come here. That's a fair, valid point, and and I hope you're right. You know, I, and and I can see that being how it plays out. That hey, he did he did throw up the bat signal, and then di- different folks, you know, come around. We, we end up with a with a, with a center, and we we draft a left left guard or, or vice versa, and, and away we go, um, and we solidify the line. I hope that's the case. I just have a feeling it's. Um, I have a feeling that it's it's putting a big cloud over us at a time where, th- you know, to, we got we get a little spoiled, right? This is the last even since since Holmgren, and then obviously uh, forget about the the year with Mora, but from from Holmgren till now, basically, this has been an organ or just really Paul Allen's tenure. This has been an organization that's been very well run head to toe, and this is not very well run. It, it's it's blemished. It's got warts. And I just think it's going to put some pause signs up. If you are a veteran who's like, you know what? I want to go somewhere that gives me a chance to go get a chip. Okay. Are you signing with the Seahawks? If you're not sure Russell Wilson is going to be your quarterback. Now, again, we let out saying he's going to be the quarterback, but if that puts doubt into the, into the free agents minds, I look at that as a net negative right now. Well, I suppose the good thing is that there is enough time now between now and free agency that they can hopefully get that squared away and make it known that this is a good destination for offensive line. But let's take a break, Clinton. We will come back and we are going to get the flock involved and hear what they have to say coming up next. It's a special live edition of 3 In, 3 Out, and we are doing it via the Locker Room app. And the cool part about this is it gives us an opportunity to bring in some of the members of the flock, people who are just in locker room who want to come in and talk Seahawks. And we're kicking things off with Tim Moon. He is first up. Tim, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Glad to have you as our inaugural guest on the inaugural live three and three out. And Tim, how's how things down in Texas, buddy? Really nice. Yesterday was 80 degrees. It's very weird because it goes from being five degrees one week to be 80 degrees the next week. So that was a very weird experience, but we're doing great. Glad you guys are out of the deep freeze and back to some, uh, some normal hot uh, Texas weather. That's great, man. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Um, I just wanted, there's a couple of things, dynamics that 
I've been thinking about related to Russ, and uh, I just haven't heard anyone mention them. One of them is probably circumstantial, but Russ's decline this year, the offense's decline this year, started when Pete signed his contract halfway through the year. Usually that stuff happens on the offseason, but um, maybe I'm wrong. I don't, I'm not an expert on that, but it just seemed awkward, and then Russ declined from there. So probably circumstantial, but just it's just something that stuck in my mind for a while. The other thing is I don't think people are thinking about Russ. Russ is really – he's a baseball guy. <laughs> he does not like the salary cap. So he's got that dynamic pushing against him too in addition to wanting – to win, but he doesn't want to do it the way Brady does it, which is give up a little money. He doesn't want to set that precedent because he thinks it's a bad precedent to set because the owners really have forced a salary cap, which allows theoretically poor teams to stay competitive, which anyway, I'm not sure I agree with that anymore, but their sacrifice is the owner's gain. So uh, that's I'm just saying that's probably how he's seeing it, and it's not as selfish as I think it's often made out to be, although I would rather have a salary cap than not have a salary cap. I don't think there's a perfect answer for this, but I think that's right. part of what's in his thinking. Yeah, and Tim, I think you got a couple of couple of interesting points there. I will jump off of the salary cap piece at least a little bit because I think folks who know a little bit about it was I think it's Mark Rogers, right? His uh, his agent. That's a he's a baseball dude. That that's kind of his vibe. He just doesn't really dabble in the NFL too much. And you know, Russ is obviously that's kind of a number one love, if you will. Uh, beyond football is is to go play baseball. Now I don't know if his end game there, if you know, playing that out, Tim. I'm not sure if his I end game is to play. No, I don't think he's going to play baseball. I'm just wondering if you think his end game is like let let's shepherd the let's shepherd the era of the no salary cap. So I'll be the pariah. Or I'll I'll stick my neck out in some way. Like in a league where there's so much risk. Uh, way more than any other sport out there. It's, it still seems like NFL players are by far the most vulnerable, but they have nobody else to blame but themselves. They were in the driver's seat. Revenue was through the roof, and they, they signed the new agreement that wasn't really that powerful for them. NFL just aligned with the middle-class players at the expense of the big-money players. And since there's more of those, they, they played the middle against the top. And I think you're right. I think it hurt players in the long run. I was shocked that they'd signed so quick. But I don't know. I just think there's a factor in that. I just wonder how much it's playing into this. But Russ can't go anywhere. There's nobody. If we don't get a solid, solid quarterback in addition to something, it would be ridiculous to trade him. Yeah, it would be it'd be crippling. And I think it's an interesting wrinkle. I think it's, a, I'll say this, it's, it's a new wrinkle. And in, in, the, in the case where so many people are talking cyclically for, you know, at least a couple of days on end, but but hot at least a couple of weeks now on end. I do appreciate you bringing a new wrinkle to it, Tim. Brandon, what do you got? I am kind of curious too about the the timing uh, that Tim brought up with Pete Carroll. Like if some if if that had something to do, and, and maybe Tim can come back on a little bit and we can dive into that more if to, to see if he thinks that there is something with the dynamic between how they think the offense should run. And so uh, appreciate Tim, and I see we have uh, Josh who. Wanting to come in here and ask a question too, Josh. Josh, what's going on, guys? How we doing? Good, Josh. Where, where are you calling in from? I actually cover the Bucks down here in Tampa uh, for Bucks Report. So, well, there you go. Congratulations, Russell on, Wilson uh... is not playing for the Bucks <laughs> next year, Josh. <laughs> oh, come on, I, I, that was my question. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, I think 
I think the whole situation with Tom Brady and, and you know bringing Gronk in and then having Antonio Brown came in, uh, I think that's what people are looking to and trying to compare personnel decisions and, and that you know Russ doesn't have or Russ wants and says, oh well, Tom Brady has this. I think that's being so blown out of proportion. And for me, this whole Russell Wilson thing is more about him really wanting to get more help on the offensive line and saying, hey, man, I've taken over 400 sacks in my career. This is kind of getting ridiculous. We need O-line help. The the defensive plan from with the Legion of Boom days and when they're in the Super Bowl, it doesn't seem like, and I know injuries took a place with a Cliff Averill, who's you know a speaker here in locker room and, and guys like that, but the defensive plan wasn't in place, and you know you saw them come on towards the later half of the season. But that first half, you know, Russell scoring, cooking thirty points, and the defense will say, "Okay, well, here's thirty points for the opposing offense." But you saw them kind of get a lot of together. So Russ's biggest problem for me is the offensive line and the decline of that defense. You know, for people to say, "Oh, you know, Russ wants control of personal decisions," I look at a perfect guy like a Josh Gordon who Russ lobbied for to bring them in there. A guy like Antonio Brown, who he worked out with all offseason. It's not, you know, it's Russ tried to recruit him, and Antonio picked the the Buccaneers over the Seahawks. And that was, you know, those were the two teams he narrowed it down to coming back for. So, I mean, maybe I guess you could say tight end, but it's not like he's had bums at wide receiver or running back either. You know, Lockett, Baldwin, UK. And Josh, and Josh, to that tight end point, you know, guess who Russ lobbied for last offseason? It wasn't Gronk. He he lobbied for Greg Olson, and he got Greg Olson. You know, just it turned out Greg Olson was you know a little old and, and didn't didn't pan out the way Gronk did down in Tampa. You know, I think the bigger the the point the biggest point you're making is like, hey, if this is a plea to ensure that we get um, we shore up the offensive line and it works, then every Seahawks fan should should applaud that because we all watched the Super Bowl, man. You you had a, a front row seat to it. We all watched the Super Bowl. Josh, how did Tampa win that Super Bowl? Was it Tom Brady on his own, or how did they actually win the Super Bowl? It, it was a great defensive game plan by Todd Bowles and pressure, pressure, pressuring Mahomes. And yeah. you saw how often they got past that offensive line. Now, I mean, people can say injuries, but these are all professional players and they need to step up. But the thing is, with Russ and, and him, you know, you know, claiming for offensive line. Well, if you want personnel decisions, and that's what people are making it out to be, which I don't think it is. Russ, are you out there studying free agent O-line film? Are you out there studying you know, draft film? And then going out and saying, like, hey, I study this guy up and down. I think he'd be a great draft, a draft fit for us or a great free agent fit. Unless he's doing that, it's like, you know, I get his qualms, but at the same time, you know, for his agent to go that step out there and tweet out a team he lists to be, I think this is just all posturing for, for him really to be like, hey, get me some help. Yeah, the level of of involvement that makes the most sense to me, Josh, is that he's been in Pro Bowls with these guys. And so he he wants the team to come to him and say, hey, of of these dudes that you play with, you know, Corey Lindsley's a free agent. You know, we're what sense is is this a guy that you got a sense of that you could work with? And, you know, before we make that signing. And that's the kind of input that makes a lot of sense to me. And that's the only input that makes sense to me. He's not in there scouting film and scouting, you know, and stuff like that. So, you know, when it comes to like draft picks and whatnot, and they've swung at draft picks and they've missed, unfortunately. And that comes back on the GM. But this is just posturing for him to get a better team around him. Uh, and I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think, you know, the Seahawks, plus with their, their trade for Jamal Adams, I mean, they're out, already out two first round picks. So even if you do trade Russell Wilson, now you're just replacing those first round picks that you lost. It's not like you're getting a huge haul unless they're getting an impact player like Khalil Mack from the Bears. And, you know, now you're starting over at the quarterback position. I don't care if you have three first round picks, you have a pro bowler and potential Hall of Famer in Russell Wilson. You can't let him go. So you're seeing the NBA 
really coming in over to the NFL with player movement and control. And we saw it with Stafford. We saw it with Jamal Adams. We saw it with Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Deshaun Watson. And now Russ is kind of making that power play. Hey, I'm the face of this franchise. I'm the star here guy. While it's a good thing, you know, it's good for the players because, like you said, these players take the most risk out of almost any uh, athlete that plays sports. It's also a double-edged sword where, you know, if you push too hard, they might call your bluff. And now you're going to Chicago and good, good luck there. <laughs> yep. So I think I think the the most logical award for the for the early uh, locker room app goes to Josh here, Brandon, because he's he's just spitting truths. And, and and I think it's just it's as simple as that. It's posturing to get to get the to get the right O line in place, which, again, all good. Bring it. We talked about we talked about also, uh, you know, not too long ago, Brandon, I think last time we got together. Where do you put your free agent chips? Because they're not, you know, you don't have you don't have a never-ending source of them. But putting chips down on proven commodities along the offensive line is like the most logical place to do it, especially since we've been through all these iterations and attempts with uh, with trying to kind of do it the cheap way for all these years. So if we do one thing to accommodate Russ with all the other hoopla and some of the some of the you know the the the, the being going around there. Do one thing, lock up one of those two places, right? Center or left guard, spend capital on those guys and then say to Russ, okay, like, are, are you not entertained? Like, did we not, did we not listen? Do we not get you a new OC? Do you not have DK? And now do you not have a, a banging center or left guard to go along with a pretty good offensive line? And the thing is, is that I don't know that Russ had to say anything at all publicly in the media for True. something like that to happen. It's more so now that if Seattle doesn't go out and do that, now the organization would look bad for not, you know, he, for not listening to him publicly. And where they go with that is, I think, the another discussion we could have. Yeah, and I actually, I, I know we got more calls to take, so I, I won't, I won't uh, glom the time here. I actually had another, a second besides the hurting free agency point. The other thing I wanted to raise with you will jump off of that idea of kind of timing. Hey, this is. Probably would have happened anyway. It wasn't like it wasn't unknown what Seattle had to do this offseason. It's pretty well established. So all the noise, like, is there another reason for it? And I actually have a theory, but I'll I'll, uh, I'll make sure we got make sure we get time in for the the callers first. But this would be a good time to to bring in multiple people, I think, and you know that way, you know, it's just not us talking to Tim or Amy. I know Patrick. We got you in there, Hen Henrik's in. So you know we can all have this discussion together. That, that doesn't just have to be. Uh, Clinton and I with with one caller at a time. That is the, the the neat thing about this locker room app. Very nice. Yeah, let's get to the Royal Rumble side of this. Bring them all in. Bring in. <laughs> let's go back to it. Bring in the Bushwhackers. Bring them all in, and we we get to finally do the the from the flock as as it was really meant to be all along. So pile in. Well, I know we got Tim back in here, and and Tim, I wanted and I just to go back to the one thing that you were saying before about Pete Carroll. Are you are you thinking that the actual move maybe caused Russ's thinking to to be like, OK, well, Pete may be out the door, but now he's in for five years and it impacted his performance on the field in some way with, with that long term signing? Well, I just wondered if it wasn't a possibility. I don't know. They act like they're best friends, but Russ wants the offense open and Pete wants to have a team he can control. And there's a lot of differences of opinion about that but i just wonder what if there really is uh some things between the two of them and when russ saw that contract happen he just wondered if it was ever going to change if this was just never going to get better for him so i don't know that's the case it just occurred to me 
Well, one of the things, Tim, that I, I'd like to jump off there with you is like, there's also like a lot of that athletic article was also the, this, the concepts that, you know, Pete answers to no, to no man. Right. It's like, it's like, okay, well, you know, I, I sat back with that for a second too, Brandon and everybody else who's in, I'm like, all right, well, all right, well, there's, there's no, there's no real GM in place who, who is doing, you know, that the hands-on stuff, we, we understand that. But then I look and say, well, you know, Paul Allen, while he ran the organization, the head to toe beautifully well, and like set up the clean ice so his players could go skate at the right speed. Paul Allen wasn't Jerry Jones. Thank goodness. Thank the maker. Paul Allen was not Daniel friggin' Snyder, like helicoptering in and, and, and making poor, poor selections at the very last second. So the GM issue was never a thing before Paul Allen left, left this earth. And then the other side of it is too, it's like, okay, I understand that Pete's the president and the, the buck stops with him, but he's a 70-year-old man who has had success at every single level, has won a Super Bowl and won multiple, I think multiple, NCAA championships. And with that, somebody has to be the leader. Somebody has to be the ultimate. Yes, I make the decisions here. So in our world, it's Pete. I just don't think there's actually all that much wrong with that. It's like Pete answers to nobody. Well, at the end of the day, he answers to everybody because it does stop with him. The record stops with him. Falling short in the playoffs st stops with him. All right. I know Amy wants to jump in. What do you got, Amy? I, I just think my biggest concern is the awesome vibe people wanted to come here. My concern is that the if there is actually a rift between the two, that it's not going to have that same awesome locker room, that same team mentality. And that's that's just where I fall on it. Yeah. And Amy, I, I, that's that's where I was getting at earlier myself. And it's a big concern for me. It's it's actually of all this stuff, I expect Russ to be there, you know, game one and, and whatever, whatever preseason there is this year and all the practices and everything already. I have the, the my biggest fear is this like, let's, let's look at this. I mean, Seattle is tucked away in the Pacific Northwest. It has gotten to a point of prestige, but it wasn't the easiest route to get there. This is not a free agent destination that's like, oh man, I got to get my butt up to, to Seattle. It's, it's not a major market. The weather is not exceptionally bright and sunny up there. Uh, you know, there's other, other cities that are way more attractive geo, geolocation wise. So, Seattle has to kind of outperform when it comes to the, to those culture things. And frankly, we have, we've been, we've been, if, if you took a culture survey last decade under, under Carroll against other teams and juxtapose it, I guarantee you Seattle is consistently in the top five of like, of like team culture and what it feels to be a Seahawk. And that matters big time. If that starts to degrade and, and erode because of this, that's going to hurt us. It might not be a year one thing, but that's going to hurt. And it's going to hurt. It'll feel slow until it feels sudden. Well, and I think that it's not just getting people here and, and, and having people want to come here. It's the atmosphere in the locker room. How does that affect your play? It's not, it's not just, you know, who can we bring in, but say that the O-line is upset about, about what Russ has said, then how does that affect play? And I know they're professionals, but, but people's feelings get hurt. Yeah, it's a good point. I, Amy, I have to ask, or anybody out there, could Techno Thursday solve it on its own? If we just <laughs> did, if we just did Techno Thursdays in short shorts, could that solve it? Could that be the bridge to uh, Every day is Techno it's Thursday. It's going to solve the whole world's problems. 
I, I actually think the Seahawks problem started with Techno Thursday. <laughs> so they might end with Techno Thursday then too, is what I'm hearing here, right? So it's Super Bowl. It's, they have not won a Super Bowl since Techno Thursday started. Well, that's just a fact. Too much dance, too much dance practice, and not enough practice catching the ball in the red zone. The the short shorts are too distracting. They're more like hot pants at this point. Let's let's be let's be let's be very fair, which is which is good. Any other any other folks that are on the uh, on with us that want to want to chime in? I had a quick question here. Uh, my name's Pat. I uh, I'm a Bears fan. I live in the uh, western suburbs of Chicago, and I'll keep this Duh, quick. Bears. Yeah. <laughs> Under the assumption, and, and this is a wild assumption, far far fetched, that. There are so many other thoughts here that this is a power play, power struggle that we have here. What becomes the direction of Seattle, and what are you looking for in return? And I know that you don't want to think about that, but let's just for a minute put our heads together and think, what what is the price here for Russell Wilson? I like this from Patrick because, see, uh, I, I like that we're getting a Bears fan in here because, um, you know, there's some history here between the Bears and the Seahawks. And shoot. The Seahawks got an 11th overall pick for Rick Meyer back in the day. So I'm thinking we pretty much end up with, you know, whoever we want. You're welcome. <laughs> That's how we got Walter Jones on the team. So this this could, if it were to happen, provide the foundation for some important pieces for the future, right? Yep. I do think that there has to be a price out there, right, that the Seahawks would be willing to say yes, especially if it is something that they see detrimental to the team. And to me, it would have to be one of those teams that have a top three pick. It would have to be the Jaguars, the the Jets, or uh, what is it? The Dolphins that have the number three pick because they got it from the Texans. So I would think that there would have to be a quarterback in that area or a foundational piece that you could really build upon because you can't give up a generational quarterback and then expect to turn right around and find another one because like with the Bears, how long have they been looking for a generational quarterback. It's been a long time. The The Browns took them forever just to get to uh, Baker Mayfield. And I don't think that they're necessarily all that sold on him as the generational quarterback that's you know, going to take him to the Super Bowl. So it's really hard to find that compensation package that's going to be able to make it work. And yeah, you can throw Khalil Mack in there and that's great. And uh, I would rather have had Khalil Mack from three, four years ago, though, rather than right now, along with you know a, a mid-round draft pick from the Bears. So it really starts getting difficult when you really start to find the type of compensation that's going to be able to make it worth it for an organization for them to say, OK, we're going to we're going to take a step back so we can rebuild for the next few years. I've put the thinking cap on for this one, too, because I think I think it's at least an interesting exercise to say, well, number one, they'd have to be pretty darn sure, besides Trevor Lawrence, like, are they in on on Wilson from BYU? Because that that he's the dude who looks like he's the number two, et cetera, et cetera. I'm personally not in on fields and some of the order, other quarterbacks I've seen there. So they better be pretty damn sure that they're in, in on Wilson if they were to move up to get the jet spot. But a package that I thought about that's like, okay, this is something I would consider and I think of good value. And I wonder, I'm sure there's Panther fans out there, but you know, they've, the idea of McCaffrey has been floated around. Okay. So then, okay. How about you send us Christian McCaffrey, you send us David Moore, you give us your first round pick from this year. And we find some other compensation, like a darn good wide receiver, a top running back in the game, 
a couple of picks, including a first rounder. And then I'm coming to the table and saying, okay, let's talk because that's what a generational quarterback demands, has to demand. Not everybody. In, in fact, it's, it's so infrequent. You could go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, or you can go from Joe, Joe Montana, Joe Montana to Steve Young. It, it, it doesn't happen. Yeah. They all stand out in your mind because yeah, the Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck, that's it. I, I think we exhausted the list. And that one didn't even go all that well, right? So it's uh, it, when it was all said and done. So it's it's there's it's so few and far between when you get that back to back generational quarterback that it's it, it has to be such a severe package. And we're also talking about a dude. I don't even want to put Deshaun Watson on the same pedestal as Russ. Maybe on a you know the 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 stats pedestal and this last year maybe. But when we're talking about leadership skills and then also, hey Brandon, what's your what's the best ability out there? Availability. Availability. Russ has not missed a game in nine seasons. So th that also has to be factored into value, a huge factor for value. So, Pat, I hope that gives you a, a, a sense of where I come from is like, well, you want some, you want a generational quarterback? Well, it, it starts with some heavy hitters like that, for me at least. I'm right there with you. And if you don't mind, I have one more thing to add on there because I agree with both of you wholeheartedly. You're absolutely right about the whole Khalil Mack thing. And in my opinion, because I was talking about this on locker room yesterday with a couple of other people, uh, and that was, I don't think the Seahawks, I'm not saying that they wouldn't want Khalil Mack, but Khalil Mack should certainly not be number one priority if there were supposedly a trade package with the Bears. And that's not to say, like, I, it's because I, I don't want to lose Khalil Mack because I don't want to lose Khalil Mack. However, he's 30. He's he's a thirty year old edge rusher uh, who is, is he really pure, damn he turned thirty I think last week Time pure dominating purely dominating no doubt about it but you should be looking at the Eddie Jacksons who's at least a couple of years younger and the I, I would hate to lose Roquan Smith but that's kind of where that conversation begins and I agree with you I, I love Russ far more than I love Deshaun Watson and part of that is because. We were too dull to not draft Deshaun Watson, so now I hold that against him, uh, as unfair as that may seem. The, the, age, the age becomes a factor. Russ is 32. Deshaun is 25. So, so what does the package start to look like? And I think that's where we're lost, is there's no precedent for this in, in, in the past. Jay Cutler is the closest thing to a star quarterback getting dealt like this, and that was Jay Cutler. Now we're talking about Russell Wilson and we're talking about Deshaun Watson in this offseason. And it's a completely different pedestal than Jay Cutler and then the other quarterbacks that you might throw up with there. So such an interesting offseason just because we have no clue where this is going and we have no idea what the asking price for these guys really is. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, appreciate it, Pat. Yeah, yeah. and that's the hard thing that comes with trading any star quarterback is that it hasn't happened. And what is the starting point? And so even when you hear that three first rounders as a starting point, that's like, OK, to get in the door to have this conversation, that's where you have to start. Yeah, I think if I'm like, I don't know, like a team like Washington, for example, like I'm willing to give up, you know, Chase Young, preferably not Chase Young is, is the because he should like he's like their defensive like identity. Like he, he offers a lot in the Mont Montez uh, Sweat. Montez Sweat. Yeah, then, yeah. Right? Like Sweat. 
And like, I don't know, if, if the Texans were interested in Collins or if the Seahawks were interested in Collins, I doubt it because they have Adams. But like, if one of those two teams were interested in Collins, and then I'd add on like four firsts. For a quarterback, if, again, we're talking about Khalil Mack in two firsts, right? Like for a quarterback who's probably a magnitude more valuable than Khalil Mack, right? Not just talking about two times or three times, like a magnitude. What price are you really willing to go, specifically for Deshaun because of the age, but for Russ too? I honestly think it's too steep uh, for most that are to to even fathom. And and again, back to the how we how we kind of let out this this session was the the likelihood of the trade is just it's it is minuscule because of so many so many things against it. Which which by well, the I way, think, I think what we're going to see though, Clinton, is I think Deshaun Watson will be the test case yeah. because if a quarterback can go out and say. I want out and be public about saying I want out. And then if he still doesn't get dealt, then then we know the compensation package is it's got to be astronomical. Although I think we're pretty sure Deshaun's being dealt like he's he's at least based on like recent reporting. It's like they met, he met with the new GM. He was like, I still want out. Like, I don't know if there's much appeasing him. I think he's willing to set out games. And then how that impacts things going forward. I still think. If you're going to trade a guy like Deshaun Watson and you're the Texans, you got to I think the starting place has to be like four first round picks. And I think it's a I think it's a bad year. It's a bad year to do this, too, because there's actually a good amount of quarterbacks that are floating around that are that are decent. There's a lot of draft capital in the quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, you have two probably top five quarterbacks that that seemingly want to be traded. So of all the years, there's actually more supply than there normally would be. And there's less money. Mm-hmm. So all those things combined, it's actually a pretty poor time to sell a generational quarterback. It's never a good time, but this might be a really bad time. Although I don't know if it affects the Sean's value. I think it affects more like the Dak Prescott's of the world's value more than anything, right? Players who like are trusting that like their leverage is like, you know, starting caliber slash above average starting caliber quarterbacks. They can get, you know, top 10 money. I don't, I, th- I just think that that's not going to happen this year. It's a tough time to be a quarterback. It's a tough time you know, just to be an NFLer going into free agency. I know Russ isn't going anywhere. So, Clinton, I, I think it's a, a probably a good time to wrap this up. Is there anything else you want to hit on before we get on out of here? No, I think I think what I'll do is I'll save my my uh, my theory for next time we chat because it was uh, this one was fast and furious and a ton of fun to bring the fo- from the flock section to to life. Um, so really enjoyed the forum, uh, Brandon. What was, what was your take on the on the, the live forum? How was it to operate and and delegate as you were? This this worked out all right. I I think it's something that we can you and I can work something out and we can make sure and let folks know when we're going to be live again. Sounds like a ton of fun. So, Brandon, where could where could the good folks of of Earth find us out on Twitter and and elsewhere? Yeah, check us out on Twitter. I am at Seahawkers Pod on Twitter and at Seahawker here in the locker room app. Very nice. And, and you can find me on Twitter at Clinton Bond. And uh, yeah, I mean, Twitter's the best place to find me there. And and of course, if you don't already, I would say follow at Field Goals as well. There's tons of great podcasts always going out there. Uh, and that, that's and this is where that's coming from. So super excited to do this. And so, hey, one of 20 in the book there, 5%, 5% achievement. And, and we got 95% more to go and, and uh, only up from here, which is a lot of fun. Well, the good news is, is that after being 5% in, I'm sure that we can keep doing this because, yeah, this was a this was a fun time and looking forward to doing more. Subscribe to the podcast, SBNation.com slash NFL podcasts for this show, for any of the other shows there. If you want to become a member of the flock, be notified that way. Get in the flock.com. 
And I'm really hoping that we get more folks involved next week. Be sure and join us live. Until next time, go Hawks. All right. I love it. Go Hawks.